follow along in your pew hymnal Bibles, I just looked both of them up. The small one is page 100, and the large print is page 129. We're going to read John 12, 1 through 8. They say you take in more if you're actually following along. So here we go. Lazarus. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said that not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Amen. We continue our Lenten services as we go through up to Easter. This morning I have a cold, so you have to bear with me. Started two days ago, and uh, it will last another whatever days it wants to last. One thing we all have in common is is God. We all believe in God. And it is that belief that led a young boy to church one Sunday. And in his Sunday school class, as he was enrolled, He had to answer the question about having a brother or a sister. And the boy said, I don't have a brother, nor do I have a sister. And the teacher was surprised. After the boy revealed the fact that he had no brother or sister. To which the boy said, but I have friends. And friends, my, 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 my brothers and sisters, it is so good to have friends. It is so good to have friends. Friends was one of the most watched television shows in the 90s. Those of us who watch TV. There was a show on TV called Friends. 
a lot of people watch it. It's on rerun now, and we still watch it. It was, in effect, the 21st century version of what friendship is all about. And that's not the subject you probably want somebody to talk to you about because you are friends. Hopefully, every one of us. That one word perfectly describes the relationship between millions of people. Friends, friendship. And in the scripture, one of the most notable friendship is that between David and Jonathan. If you know your Old Testament story, David and Jonathan were on opposite side, but those two kids loved each other. And they were willing to surrender everything for the other person. In the, in the New Testament, there was Jesus and Lazarus. The scripture tells us they were friends. And if we pause for a moment, I am pretty sure each one of us would fill in the blank because we each have friends. My prayer, for example, is for the day that I will come back together with my childhood friends. I don't think it's possible, but that's my prayer. Because most of us are scattered all over the world. We are not together in that community that we grew up with. But that's my prayer, that I will come back and see all of them at the same time and do the things we used to do. Tease one another and get into trouble so that our parents have something to say to us. I really do believe, next to family, there is not a more important part of your life than the relationship you have with your friends. Next to family is friends. My friends, in our passage of scripture, we are told that Jesus is visiting his friends. As simple as it is. And when we look at the scripture from the Gospel of John, the 12th chapter, the first thing I, I notice in verses 1 and 2 is that Jesus is in town. Jesus arrives. He is in town. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with Jesus. The question we need to answer when this passage is read is simply this. Where would the ministry of Jesus be if we didn't have Martha's serving? Martha was there, a friend of Jesus. This time it is not Jesus saying to people, I'm coming to your house for dinner. It is visiting a friend or visiting his friends 
and dinner was prepared in his honor. And Martha was serving, serving in the, in the soup kitchen, staffing our daycare centers, loving and caring for people in nursing homes. We need to see in Martha a call, a call to ministry and a call to service. That's what the church is all about. Every one of us is called, and we are called to ministry, and we are called to serve. If you come to church, and you are not like Martha, honoring the call to ministry, honoring the call to serve, something is wrong. We all need to come together, just like Martha, my friends, and serve. How many of us have a ministry within this church, this congregation, that we're serving someone? We're serving someone. Even if it is not within the church, in your neighborhood, how many of us have a ministry of serving someone. That's what Martha did. And that's a challenge for each of us Christians all over the world. We are called to serve. Before we became Christians, we didn't know better. The scripture tells us in the, in, in the epistle to the Romans, when we became Christians, we knew Jesus as our Savior, and that moment of justification for each of us is the beginning. We are saved. Why are we saved? Most people think we are only saved to go to heaven. No, my friends, we are saved to serve. To serve God to serve humanity, to serve our community, and to give God the glory. Let your light so shine before humankind that they may see your good works and give glory to your heavenly Father. We all have a Martha in us. It is a call to service and a call to ministry. Oh, Jesus is in town, but secondly, you realize that Jesus is at the table. They had a formal dining room, I believe. Jesus is at the table. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on his feet, wiped his feet, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Martha served. Mary is equally serving. Serving the Lord, preparing the Lord for something bigger, something greater, something that will last forever and ever. Martha is busy making the last preparation for dinner. 
Lazarus and, Jude, and Judas happens. Mary leaves the room and returns with the most precious possession she had, an expensive nerd. Anointment that had the sweet fragrance of elegant perfume. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Even the kids knew what perfume was. So I believe we all do know what perfume is all about. That was brought for Jesus. She, she, she surprised the household by, by anointing the feet of Jesus. Then loosen her ear and wipe the feet of Jesus. Imagine how Martha felt in the kitchen when the aroma of that precious ointment drifted into the kitchen to mix with the aroma of the roasted lamb. We have two sisters in the same house who are demonstrating to us the ministry of service. Martha was in the kitchen. Mary was in the living room preparing Jesus for his burial. And my friends, this is our responsibility, this is our call. Because every day, every morning, every day, we prepare ourselves to spend eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Nobody wants to die, but all of us who are Christians want to spend eternity with Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. amen. We do, my friends. And in order for me to spend eternity with Jesus, I don't only have to be saved. Because for me personally, I was saved when I was in junior high. When God saved you, no matter what age, God has put a call in your life. A call to do something. Not all of us can stand on stage and sing. Not all of us can stand in front of the congregation and read scripture. Not all of us could preach. But all of us could do something to make the body of Christ an effective tool for the world in which we live in. Amen? Amen? We all have something to do. We all have something to do. So every day when you wake up, my friends, it is for you to decide, what's my gifts? What are my graces? How can I spread them for the good of my faith and the enlargement of God's kingdom. But you always know that in the midst of doing something good for God, 
something bad comes in. It was Jesus, baptized, ready for his public ministry, tempted by the devil. It was Nehemiah in the scripture, trying to build the walls of Jerusalem. Sanballat and Tobiah came in, opposing him. Every time you try to do something good for the Lord, somebody is going to dis discourage you. I mean, if it is not true for you, then it's a PTL, praise the Lord. But for most of us, it is true that when God puts something in your heart, rest it on your heart, my friends, and you are pumped up to do it for God, somebody just passed by and make a comment and you feel discouraged. Or something happened within the family, and you think, maybe God does not want me to do this. And therefore, in this instance, in the 12th chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus is in town, Jesus is at the table being anointed, we have Judas, the thief, around. And this is what the scripture says. But one of his disciples, Judas, his carrier, who was later to betray him. What did he do? Objected. He objected, my friends. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. And then the scripture says to us in verse 6, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself with what was put into it. The objection will come. But does that mean you would not carry on God's work? If you think you're going to be a minister for God, a called servant for God, without any objection, every day from no one, you're making a mistake. The objection will come, my friends, but you have to continue to do what God has called you to do. Amen? Continue to do what God has called you to do because the God who has called you to do what you are supposed to do is not going to let you be alone. God is going to strengthen you. He said that to me, I will strengthen you. I will give you everything you need. You will be properly equipped for the work of ministry. And then, my friends, Jesus now is talking because Jesus has to, has to respond to the objection from Judas. So the scripture says, leave her alone, says Jesus. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Jesus is already telling the crowd, the people in the dining hall, that his end has come. Because Jesus knew that. Moses and Elijah already talked to him about his departure. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, ready to die, to give up himself. So he knew 
what was going on. Leave her alone. Come on. In other words, keep your objection. Because this lady is serving, preparing me for the day of my burial. Jesus says, you will always have the poor among you. But you will not always have me. My friends, in his reply to the words of Judas, Jesus is actually advocating generosity and action to eradicate poverty. Generosity and action to eradicate poverty rather than showing indifference to their plight as Judas is here demonstrating. We do that as a church. We do that as a church. It just so happened that in saying the poor you will always have with you, Jesus was repeating a well-known <coughs> a well-known biblical passage from the Hebrew Torah. Everyone in that room knew what Jesus was talking about. They understood where he was coming from. Because if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 11, this is what the Torah says. This is what the scripture says. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. But you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. For the poor you will always have with you in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. It is biblical. Just like Jesus referred to scripture when the devil was tempting him, here, with the objection of Judas, after his anointing for his burial, Jesus referred to the Torah which all of them understood. That yes, if there is a poor brother among you and a poor sister within the ranks, help that person. That's what the scripture is saying, my friends. So reading the words of Jesus in their original context, you can see that his words were meant to spur generosity towards the poor. 
Open wide your hand, says Jesus. Be generous. The command to, to be open-handed towards the poor comes directly from God himself. It is not apathy and tight-fistedness as we use these words to mean today. No. Jesus says, freely you have received, freely give. Open your hand and give. I'll tell you about yesterday because I joined the Lear Circle, I believe. They went to Xenia. There is a new homeless shelter that started about within a year ago. And members of our congregation were there serving a meal. They prepared the meal. They served the meal. Mingled among the people in that homeless shelter. And I said to myself, this is indeed the church in action. Most of those who were there yesterday didn't cost them much as it cost me. Because I had, I had taken Friday as the day for the serving. I forgot it was Saturday. Number two, I had punched on my GPS Second Street in Dayton, Ohio. So I went to Second Street in Dayton, Ohio. And I went up and down, up and down. Couldn't find the number. So I stopped at a convenience store. And then I said, I'm looking for Second Street, this number. Second Street is the next street over. So I came back, looked at the direction. Oh, it was not even in Dayton, it was in Xenia. And I looked at my time, I have time, because they gave us time to arrive. So I went back to Xenia. And I went in, thinking that I would see members of Church of the Cross, United Methodists. There was another group serving. So I talked to the lady, I said, we're supposed to be here today. And she checked the computer and couldn't find us. So I went back to my vehicle, looked at the paper again. Oh, it's Saturday. <laughs> Gus Christo Baker. <laughs> but it was so nice to join members of the church for that few minutes of service. And I pray, I pray, that was not the last time we were there. 
I pray we repeat it over and over. Because Jesus says, you will have the poor with you all the time. And he's advocating generosity for the poor. We all have a ministry, my friends. Ah, you and me, honoring of Jesus may not involve money. It may not involve an expensive perfume. But the act itself, like Mary's, will fill the house with a certain fragrance. Have you noticed that when you do good or when you receive good, you feel good deep inside? That fragrance, that aroma is with you. And therefore, it, it could be a fragrance of affection and adoration. You know, it's not just money. It could be a fragrance of devotion and dedication to what you are doing. And it could be a fragrance of gratitude and of gratefulness. We Christians can emit those fragrances for the rest of the world. So Mary, my friend, he honored Jesus with a fragrance of affection for their friendship, devotion to the ministry of Jesus, and gratitude for everything Jesus has done for them. And every day, we have that challenge, that responsibility, my friends, to offer our neighbors, made in the image and likeness of God, that fragrance of affection. Let them know you care. That fragrance of devotion. Let them know my Christian faith is not just faith only, words only, it is action. It is action. And let them know you are always grateful to God. Because every day we should live our lives in the attitude of gratitude, thanking God for what God has done, continues to do for us, and for everything that God means to each of us. Jesus brought life into Mary's world of discouragement and discomfort when their brother Lazarus died. You remember the story. Jesus brought life to them when he raised his friend, their brother, from the dead. Jesus gave them hope, not despair. Jesus gave them life rather than death. And Mary was grateful. The good news for you is that on Friday afternoon, so many years ago, Jesus offered his own costly, extravagant gift. And guess what? He offered that gift, his life, for you. Amen? Indeed, all our sins and our griefs to bear. And what a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. He's your friend, my friends. He's our friends. Are you ready 
to do something in his name that will change somebody's life? Think about it, because that's your challenge for today. Do something in the name of Jesus that will start to change somebody's life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God's people say,